Welcome to Talos Takes, the security podcast for everyone from the C-suite to the front lines. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Talos Takes. Uh, today, I'm joined by Joe Marshall to talk about uh, air fryers and uh, whether or not they're smart or not. Thanks for coming on, Joe. Always happy to be here, John. Thank you for having me, bud. So like I uh, mentioned, the reason why we're talking today is because a lot of people probably saw our vulnerability spotlight blog post on the Kosori uh, smart air fryer. It's basically connected to Wi-Fi and Bluetooth so that you can control it remotely. And, you know, people kind of, I think, glommed onto it. And the patches, you know, the patch is out now, the product's fixed. So if you do have this affected product, you know, I'm just going to say from the start to update uh, as soon as you can. Uh, but at the same time, people kind of just jumped onto it because it was it's kind of a goofy thing on its surface that hi, somebody could go in and burn your chicken tenders in the air fryer. So, you know, it kind of sounds silly, but at the same time, there are kind of some lessons to be learned here for other things in your house that might be connected to the Internet. There has been... And I don't know when precisely it started, but it's relatively recent and say the past five, five to seven years, I would think, where vendors have rushed to slap Wi-Fi onto, I don't know, household appliances of any variety of any kind. And without really considering why they want to do it other than they want to compete, right? Vendor X is doing it. So vendor Y, if they want to make it, you know, outsell them, well, they have to do it now, right? So there's like this arms race going on for connectivity of every sort of insane variety inside of homes right now. And I guess an air fryer was like a natural evolution of, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, I, I want to know when my chicken tendies are done cooking. Now, uh, you know, I'm guilty of this as well. Like seven or eight years ago, I saw some really amazing uh, uh, stackable washer dryer that I was getting for our, uh, my new house. And they had Wi-Fi on it. I was like, that seems kind of cool. But I was like, wait a minute. It's not going to move my laundry for me. So cool. It's got Wi-Fi. It'll tell me when a cycle's done. But that's all it's really going to do. And in return, I got to hook it up to my Wi-Fi. I have to assume the vendor's going to patch and care for it, not leave, you know, weird vulnerabilities inside of it that somehow expose security. Uh, because, uh, frankly, these vendors don't really invest in security in these products. They don't care about that. Um, these products are, are short shelf life. You know, the next year's model washer, dryer, air fryers coming out. And that other product that you bought will be end of life very soon and unsupported by the vendor. Um, now, it's not to say that, and by the way, I saw all of the amazing Twitter comments. Um, you hilarious stuff. Um, you know, why an air fryer uh, was the vulnerability that serious? Why did you write a snort rule for it? First, there's maybe five people in the world who have a, a firewall in front of their air fryer. I probably know all five of them. Um, I'm not going to call you out, but uh, yeah, we did that. We had to do that. That's what we do at, at Cisco Talos. Kind of trending back to the, the general thing, I guess, is, you know, years ago, there was a tea kettle that has, for some insane reason, was on your Wi-Fi network, but it also exposed your Wi-Fi password. There was the doll inside of that was Wi-Fi connected or was like a teddy bear that hackers found ways to communicate to people's kids. There is a precedent for this insane internet connected stuff. And it feels a bit meme-tastic. You know, Jeff Goldblum on Jurassic Park, no one ever asked 
if we could, but if we should. Yeah, so like you mentioned, for this specific vulnerability in the air fryer that we're discussing, uh, an attacker conceivably, if they wanted to exploit this, would need to have physical access to the device. So, you know, like you said, there's a lot of comments going around about like, oh, well, is it really that serious because somebody would have to come into my house to have access to it? And, you know, to your point, like very few people probably even have a firewall uh, in front of their air fryer anyways. But at the same time, like you said, it's it's the principle of the matter. And we hope that these kinds of examples show people that, like, you have to think critically about the devices that you're attaching to your network and the potential consequences that come with that uh, if you're to leave one unpatched or, or vulnerable. Yeah. And it's not like the consumer's choice. This is this. They're oblivious. They have no idea. They're relying on the vendor for everything. It's invisible and opaque to them. The, the air fryer. You know, it's not like we had a, a a test house to go burn down to see how bad hacking an air fryer could actually be, right? You know, best case, you've ruined dinner. The chicken tendies are ruined. Worst case, um, who knows? Most air fryers aren't going to catch fire, to be honest. But but you're right. There is a meta. There's a larger uh, thing to draw attention to uh, for home automation that just, it's not going to go away. And frankly, it's going to get worse before it ever gets any better. Um, it doesn't also help that you have a lot of boutique companies that maybe specialize in one thing, maybe like air fryers or kitchen appliances, um, who have no security budget. They're not interested into it. They're trying to sell the product. They're, you know, they're not trying to secure the product, which just means that 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 risk gets passed downstream to the consumer. Mm -hmm. So if if you are someone who has these devices in your home, I mean, like you said, you were, you know, you looked at some smart washer and dryers when you were um, moving into your new home, I have all sorts of my, you know, Google Nests uh, all over the place or uh, and the little Google assistants and speakers and all that sort of stuff. I think I've just kind of looking around even in my office here of like uh, stuff that connects to the Internet. And my dentist uh, this week was trying to sell me on uh, toothbrush, the Philips Sonicare that connects to Bluetooth so that it can tell you where in your mouth you've uh, brush the most and the least. So if you are someone who, who has these devices already in your house and, you know, say it is a washer and dryer, you're not just going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, you're not just going to throw it away or stop using it. What's some good advice to protecting your network in general and to protecting these devices if you do elect to have them connected to your network and in your home? Uh, the, the, well, as a security professional, I'm, I'm kind of in the know. I, I don't connect them to my network. There's the value for me, you know, if, if, if mechanics have well-running cars, security professionals have reasonably secure homes because we, we're just more educated in the matter, I guess. For the average consumer, it's worth considering what your presence on the Internet is with those IoT devices. And, and unfortunately, 99% of consumers, frankly, aren't just going to consider that. The, the onus really is on the manufacturers, unfortunately. Um, because even if there was a crippling vulnerability in a dishwasher, the average consumer is oblivious to it and wouldn't know how to fix it, even if they could. This is where the power dynamic exists all on the manufacturer and vendor side and none of it really on the consumer side. So it's not exactly a great concept to have. If you are so inclined, if you have the energy, um, certainly paying attention to vulnerability disclosures as they happen inside of your IoT devices. If, if, you, if you have an RSS feed set up for that kind of stuff, tracking CVSS scores as they're released, sure, go for it. 
um, realizing that that's probably a security nerds and nobody else. Um, uh, gosh, I wish I had better news to give. It's tough to really think of anything that's that because unfortunately, home interconnected devices are being basically pushed onto us, whether or not we want them as consumers. Uh, so we don't really have a choice, I think now, unfortunately. Um, but there's a lot to be said for if you have a choice between a connected device and just a dumb device that doesn't get on the internet, I personally opt to the dumb device. And you're someone who's, you know, followed the IOT space forever and, uh, and infrastructure security and all that sort of stuff. So when you see these types of blog posts, uh, you know, what are, you know, when we specifically going back to the OG air fryer volume that we were talking about, uh, you know, do you have any other takeaways uh, from this besides what we've covered already? No, other than it was really funny how the internet reacted. <laughs> it was, it was just super choice. Um, <laughs> like the memes were, were on point, like today's a good day to fry or, uh, uh, it's Friday, or I, I want to say, I, I respect all of the creativity that we saw on the internet. It's all pretty funny stuff. Um, the only thing I can think of that's sort of meta as somebody who ran an, an IOT and ICS research team and who has sort of been involved, at least certainly in my time at Cisco Talos and, and, and vulnerability disclosure and discoveries, you know, in these devices, is that it's actually getting a little bit harder. Um, so a good example of that would be, and I don't know if the, the Corsi air fryer falls under this, I'd have to go review my notes, but um, a lot of vendors are using third-party uh, um, uh, cloud connectivity. And as a security researcher, you can look at the device, but the infrastructure that it uses to contact the manufacturer, say for authentication or for updates, is all opaque because that might be on Azure, that might be on Amazon EC2, and obviously we're not going to go hack them uh, to find out just how deeply the security vulnerabilities run. So you kind of hit a brick wall. You really have to focus your, your, your vulnerability research on the local device. Uh, you can't really examine uh, a lot of connectivity as it exists. Uh, over the internet, uh, which is not really good news for researchers. It doesn't omit everything, but it does limit your scope, unfortunately. Um, and it's just going to be more of that, unfortunately. So, and not and not to anyone's benefit because you know security through opaqueness helps. Me.